I'm going to move pretty quickly today just because of time. Um, but will you grab your Bible and uh, turn, if you will, if you're like a professional Bible person, you can turn to two passages of Scripture, Genesis 4 and Ephesians 4, Genesis 4 and Ephesians 4. And we're in a series called Check Your Bags. And I this morning, as I was just praying over the service, um, and I'm sorry, I'm really just messed up. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain that in a good way. But the presence of God, I feel like, so strong on me. Like, I knelt down in worship because I didn't think I could stand up anymore. And maybe you're not having that experience. Maybe it's just me, but leave me alone. I'll take Jesus over whatever you're having, okay? So um, maybe you could have what I'm having, you know? But I, I, I mean, like, I just, I can't explain it, but it's like I can't think. And so I'm just going to, you know, and I'm like really sharp. So, um, <laughs> um, but I was sitting in my house and the presence of God just fell in my house. And we're talking really about freedom. And when we talk about freedom, um, a lot of times we, we make the mistake of thinking freedom is about being free from, when truthfully freedom is about being free to. It's being free to be, here's your definition, it's being free to be who God created me to be. And I just, the Holy Spirit spoke today as I was looking over my notes, and, and I felt just the, well, I wish I could put it in words. Just the burning and breaking heart of Jesus. And, and I just heard this. Is this, I just want my bride to be able to be my bride. I just want her to be. And this is what I realized. The, we're the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And if we're not free to be who God created us to, us to be, the bride isn't who she's supposed to be. Right? If we're not free to be who God created us to be, the, the body of Christ is, is not free to be. It's not, you know what I'm saying? And we're so like bound up with tradition and we're so bound up with all the stuff. And, and I just heard this, like God this morning is like, I just want my bride to be free. And so today that's my heart. I just want the bride to be free. And so I, I want to, we're going to talk about it we're probably going to have fun if I can ever get to the other side of whatever's going on with me right now, okay? And so, uh, <clears throat> um, Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to put two scriptures together that maybe you've never put together before, and then we're going to talk about some things. But Genesis 4, verse 3, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought of an offering fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now, people, theological question, God is going to um, not accept Cain's offering. He's going to accept Abel's offering. And a lot of people say, I don't understand that, but it was in what we read. In the course of time, Cain brought an offering. Abel brought the first. God can only be First. He can only have, God cannot have second place. He can't be after your job. He can't be after your boyfriend. He can't be after your kids. He can't be after Little League. Right? <laughs> oh, there's a lot I could put. Woo, Shaba. Anyways, <laughs> a lot I put out there. I'm going to leave it alone. God can't be. And by the way, this is why you tithe, because the first is his. He has to have the first because he is first. And people say, I don't understand why God's being mean. No, he's not being mean. He is who he is. He is preeminent. He is first. He either, he's either first or not. 
He will not occupy second or third or fourth or fifth. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry. Everybody underline angry in your Bible. Cain was angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? You know, sometimes we're mad at God when we didn't do what was right. We didn't put him first and we're wondering what happened. But if you do what is not right, look at this, look at this. Sin is crouching at the door. Somebody say, keep a knocking, but you can't come in. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Notice, even from the very beginning, from the very beginning, God's heart was that you rule over sin, it not rule over you. You will never rule over sin until you call sin, sin. We've got a world full of, I got issues. No, you got sin. You don't have issues, you have sin. Issues you get therapy for, sin you repent for. Okay, well. <laughs> Woo, there's a lot I'd like to say on that. Ephesians 4, go there, verse 26. Look at this. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor, look at verse 27, nor give place to the devil. Sin is at the door. Don't give place to the devil. And Cain was very angry. Be angry and do not sin. Because it's at the door. It's at the door. Um, I want to talk to you today about unattended baggage. Unattended baggage. Can we pray, Holy Spirit? Like, we just need you. If you don't speak, it's a waste of time. So, Lord, I just pray the arrows of the Lord would stick fast in the hearts of men. so that transformation can take place. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, Cain is angry, and God warns him. He said, look, you're angry. You better be careful because sin's at the door. Paul, talking to the Ephesians, said, be angry, but watch out. Don't sin. Now, if you're sitting here like, Lord, he's going to preach on anger. Kind of, but not really, okay? <laughs> like, I'm not angry. Okay, fine, Bubba, hang on. There's a principle here. Sin is at the door. Don't give place to the enemy. Uh, the word place in Ephesians 5 is the word uh, topas, not tapas. You're not getting charcuterie this morning, okay? Topas. All right. Somebody's like, charcuterie? Praise the Lord. No. Listen, take your bougie self to Applebee's, okay? Get fancy like Applebee's on a date. Anyways. Um, <laughs> oh, charcuterie. Um... <laughs> Y'all behave, I'm trying to preach this message, and I'm almost out of time, okay? Um, but the word is tapas. It's actually where we get the word topography, like a topographical map. And you need to understand there's a difference between your mind and your brain. 
right? There's a difference between your mind and your brain. Your, your brain is an organ, right? Your mind is a consciousness. Um, your brain will spit out thoughts, and the enemy also will put thoughts in your head. Your mind decides what it does with those thoughts. Does that make sense? Um, and so what he's saying, if you can imagine like, um, and, and I hate to use this example, but I can't think of a better one that we'd be more familiar with, but if you think about like the Taliban and the caves that they hide in, what, what Paul is saying is you, you have to, you got to watch the topography of your mind because there's a lot of places in there the enemy can hide. And he will come out and torment you and hide and he will hide in your own mind. If you remember last week, I said, hey, you're not crazy. It's the devil. The Bible talks about the fiery darts of the enemy. And he will come out and shoot a dart and run back in. And you'll think that was your fault. And so what I want to talk about is where the, it, it, here's what he's saying. If you leave, that's why it's so important that we use the word of God to renew our mind. That's why it's so important that we hear the Holy Spirit and renew our mind. Because if you don't renew your mind... He has places in there, right? And so here's what I know. <laughs> We've got some unattended baggage. And there's places the enemy has gained in our lives. And from those places, he's keeping us in bondage. So I want to talk about unattended baggage. You, you know, have you ever been to the airport where they said, you know, don't leave your bag unattended? Yeah, I did that one time in Portugal. I left a bag, un not really unattended. I left it by a mission. We were, I was leading a mission team. We left, I left it by a missionary's wife. I said, hey, and it's my computer bag. And I left it right there. I said, hey, will you just watch that bag? But remember, I forgot that we weren't in the United States, that we were in Portugal. And uh, so when I came back, my bag was gone because it had been unattended. And here's what I found out that day is that if you leave bags unattended, unattended you will always suffer loss. You know, another reason why they don't like your bag to be unattended is because they don't want somebody to put a bomb in it. And when, listen, when, when we leave bags unattended in our lives, there's a place for the enemy. And I have found there's some places that the enemy can get access to our life that sometimes we're not aware of. So I want to give you, I'm going to give you five. I'm only going to give you three today. I'm going to do the other two next week. And so I want to give you uh, three today and two next week. But number one, here's the first bag I want to talk to. I got my bags over here. <laughs> I got my bags packed. We're going to unpack them together. No. Um, but this is the first bag I want to talk about. This is grandma's bag. Grandma's bag. Let me say it another way. Um, this is the bag you're born with. Oh, that's a good word. We call it generational iniquity or generational curse, but it's the bag you're born with. Just let it sink in for a minute. Let it sink in for a minute. Um, it's the bag that we're born with. Uh, yeah. Um, Exodus 20 verse 5 says, this is what God says, but you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting. Look at this, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing, I put this verse in there so you know his heart, but showing steadfast love to thousands 
who love me and keep my commandments. Now, here's what you need to understand, and you can see it all throughout the Bible. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. Boy, I, f- I feel this grandma's bag's about to set y'all free. Um, is that um, God created us to transmit blessing from generation to generation to generation. God's heart was, now listen, God's heart was never that one generation had to start where the other generation started. His heart was always that every generation would get to start from the point of blessing and increase of the previous generation. Are you with me? It's just like in the work of Jesus, I do not start where Jesus started. I start at the empty tomb where Jesus finished his work. Are you with me? And so God intended for every generation to build upon the next generation in blessing and in power and in increase and in freedom and provision, all right, all right, healing, health, right? That's what he intended. But when Adam and Eve fell, so God built a transmission system called DNA. He built a transmission system that was by the Holy Spirit. And when Adam and Eve fell, when man fell, Satan perverted the system, now falling instead of blessing being passed. God says, now iniquity is passed. This is why Jesus had to be pure-blooded. That's why he had to be born of a woman but conceived by the Holy Spirit because he had to be without sin. Now sin is in the blood. Track it. And because sin is in the blood, then it is passed from one generation. to That's why people say, well, you know, diabetes runs in my family. Well, you know, everybody in my family gets a divorce. You know, everybody in my family just struggles in this health issue or we struggle with mental illness or we, you know, it's just, you know, it's just part of being, being in, in our family. This is just what our family has to deal. What you're, ta- what you're telling me is something we see in the Bible in Exodus that, yes, there is iniquity that is passed from generation to generation. Let me give you some, let me give you some, diff- some definitions so you understand. Generational iniquity, so... The Bible talks about transgression or sin and iniquity. So what is the difference? Iniquity is the bending of the soul on the inside. Sin is when we act it out on the outside. Okay? So sin, transgression, that's a trespass. That's an activity. Iniquity is a weakness, propensity, or bending on the inside. Right then, so you have generational iniquity. You have generational sin. That's when we continue in the sins of our family. Generational iniquity is where, because of our family and our ancestors, there's a weakness in us. Right, like perversion just runs in our family. Alcoholism just runs in our family. You with me? Curses are where the where an ancestor left a door open and granted legal access to the power of the enemy to come into the family. Listen, I'm going to say something so strong, but y'all better listen. Listen, dads, there is a penalty for watching porn in your house. I didn't expect anybody to shout, but you need to understand it is not you are opening a door that your children will deal with. Okay, just wanted to say that. So a curse then 
is where because of transgression, a door's been opened to the enemy or there's been a curse. One, one of the ways we have curses in families is because of our mouths. James said, can blessing and cursing come from the same mouth? Have you ever said to them, well, you know, well, we're straights. You know, something goes wrong, right? Car breaks down, whatever. Well, we're the Joneses. Why are you speaking those curses? Like, you need to be so careful about what you say. And I'm going to be probably hard on the dads because I'm a dad. So just brace yourself. But guys, listen, you got to be so careful what you say about your kids. Moms, you got to be so careful. I don't care how mad you get. Do not speak a curse. So, so many times it's like we speak a curse over our kid and they live up to our curse and then we're mad at them. No, you cursed them. Stop it. I pray over, I don't pray over my kids like I wish y'all would act right. I pray Jeremiah 24, Lord, give them a heart to know you. God, today they have the mind of Christ. They are taught by the Holy Spirit. They will walk in calling. They will walk in purpose. They will be everything that you've called them to be. They will stand in freedom. They will be the blessed of the Lord. That's how you speak over your children. When they act bad, <laughs> look right at them and say, you're a blessing. But, but there's, there's, there's curses. Um, and then there's generational patterns. Generational patterns are just learned behavior of a family. Well, we always get mad at each other. You know, that's just us. We scream and cuss at each other, but really we love each other. No, listen. You don't have to scream and cuss to love each other. Hello. You know, we're the Williams. That's just how we are. Maybe that's not how God designed you. Why you want to live under a lie when God offers truth? Amen. So God wanted this blessing to flow. Um, so, so what do we, what do we, by, by the way, you know, when, when, um, when you're, when you're looking at your family and you're looking for these things, when you start seeing um, patterns and you start seeing brokenness, now you got to get enough truth in you to know where the brokenness is, right? But, but I can tell you that God redeems the system. That's why we've been washed in the blood. How's it passed? by the blood. What happened? I got a transfusion. Um, I want, let me show you the Bible because some people are like, I don't know, Pastor. This sounds like witchcraft. Okay, hang on. Let me We're gonna talk about witchcraft in just a minute, so hang on, Bubba. Um, <laughs> do you remember Abraham and how he lied to Pharaoh about Sarah being his wife? And he did that in, in chapter 12. And then he, he lied to Abimelech in chapter 20. And then in chapter 26, Isaac lied about his wife to Abimelech. Okay, what about King David? Do you remember the whole Bathsheba thing? He was on his roof. He saw Bathsheba taking a bath. Instead of going back in, he went back in and came back out with binoculars. And...
I'm sorry. I grew, I grew up in youth ministry, uh, going, you know, every youth rally, we had to get saved again, probably because we needed it. But, uh, but I remember one youth pastor saying one time, as a speaker, he said, you know, the second look is sin. I said, I'll cure that. I'll just look one time really long. <laughs> At least then I won't be in sin. <laughs> I don't know. I feel prompted to say this. You know, if you can watch, and this is going to hurt, but if you can watch a movie where people take their clothes off and that not bother you, you might want to ask yourself why. Just anyways. Uh, so remember King David? So King David has, you know, the affair with Bathsheba. And then he, he kills, uh, has, has her husband killed in battle and then marries Bathsheba. And then Nathan comes to talk to him. I want you to follow this. What, watch this. <clears throat> so with King David, so the, the, uh, the iniquity, the bending, right, was lust. The sin was adultery. But if you'll remember in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan comes to him and said, Now the sword will not depart from your house. There's the curse. So the bending in here, the, the weakness in here was lust. The transgression or the sin was adultery. But the curse was that the sword wouldn't leave your house. Now fast forward and let's talk about Absalom, his son. Because Absalom rapes his sister Tamar. Lust, sin. Wars with his own dad for the kingdom. It's generational. It's generational. You see it? And so if you're dealing with, with stuff that's generational, you need to look around and look for family patterns. And if it's, listen to me, if it's a curse, you appropriate the, the, the work of Jesus. Uh, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us, look at this, from the curse. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, everyone curses, everyone hangs on a tree. This is what you need to understand. At the cross, it wasn't just sin, but it was iniquity. He was wounded for our sin. He was bruised for our iniquity. Look at the atonement of Jesus. He was wounded. That's outside the skin for transgression, which is outside. It's action. But he was bruised. That's inside for the bending or the iniquity, which is inside. Do you see that? And at the cross, he took your curse, your family's curse, and he bore it on his body. So that now he became the curse for us so we could walk in the light of his grace and freedom. And so I'll pray this from time to time because lately I've had a lot of curses. I've had death threats. I've had emails. I've had letters. I've had a lot of fun stuff, mostly from Christians. 
And I'll stand up and say, I bind, break, and sever every word, curse, and spell spoken over me or my household or my children. I thank you for the atoning grace, and I thank you that every curse was nailed to the tree. And the word of God says a curse undeserved will not come to rest. And because of the grace of Jesus and the finished work of him at Calvary on the cross and the resurrection, I don't deserve any more curses. By the way, all these things that I'm talking about, we walk you through this at the Freedom Conference. It's not really a conference if you're thinking there's going to be long speaking and all that. It's kind of a different deal, but you need to register for it, so, and we walk you through how to get free. All right, second thing, second, second bag. So that's Grandma's bag. We'll just leave that one right there because some of y'all need to think about Grandma's bag for a while. Um, the second one. Oh, I think this, this one down. Oh, this is the one I want to talk about right here. Yeah, this bag right here. This is the baggage of unforgiveness. Oh, Lord, it's going to be good. I can tell by the reaction. I'm going to sit on forgiveness right there. <laughs> um, I can talk about this one because I've been working on this one, y'all. Um, I, I don't think a lot of times we really understand what unforgiveness is. And I don't think we really understand the damage of it and the danger of it. Let me show you what Jesus says. Now, I'm going to paraphrase this, guys. So if you're, if you're running that, we just skip to verse 32, Matthew 18, verse 32, if y'all can get to that verse. But um, so here's the story. It, it, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is, is compared to a king, and this king wants to settle accounts. So he calls in a servant, and he says, hey, you owe me some money. I want you to settle up. Now, the amount of mo- money he owed him would have been equivalent to about $50 million. He said, you owe me $50 million. And he said, I don't have it. And he said, well, I'm going to throw you in jail and take your family until you can pay it back kind of thing. And he pleaded for mercy. And the king had mercy and forgave him. Right? So mercy is when I don't get what I deserve. He deserved to be punished for not being able to pay back his debt. Right? But immediately this servant goes out and finds a fellow servant who owed him $40, the equivalent of $40. And he said, pay me now. And he couldn't pay him, so he had him thrown in prison. Well, the king found out about it, and he was furious. And so in verse 32, he says, Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you have not had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, look at this. Now, who do you think the king is? God. Who do you think the servants are? Usins. Look what the king does. I don't think you understand the arrogance of unforgiveness. But look at what he does. Then the master son, he said, you, you should have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. 34. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debts. Verse 35, so also my heavenly Father will do to everyone if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, not your mouth. I think Christians are real good at knowing we're supposed to forgive, so we say it, but we don't do it. Second um, Corinthians, Paul said, if we walk in unforgiveness... It gives the devil an advantage over us. Um, 
I think you need to understand some things about unforgiveness. Number one is that unforgiveness actually binds you to the person and what they did. Have you ever been around that person and they start talking and every time they start talking, they start bringing up the same person and what they did? It's like, well, I've heard the story. Like, can you let it, let it go, let it go. (laughs) Don't hold it against them anymore. Um, I think this was the most powerful thing I had to learn about uh, forgiveness and unforgiveness is that I, I had to learn that Jesus died for the sin that was committed against me. Just like he died for the sin I committed, he died for the sin that was committed against me. And I can tell you this, forgiveness is only possible through the cross. That's why unbelievers really never forgive, because they've never been forgiven. Um, This is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness says, I will live with the consequence of their sin but I will not hold them responsible any longer. I'm going to live. This, this is what, look what the king did. He said, I'm not going to get the money back. I'm going to live with the consequence of having a bad servant who took my $50 million. That's a lot of money, y'all. That's what he said, though. But I'm not going to hold him responsible to pay the debt back. I release him from all responsibility for creating this loss in my life. That's what forgiveness is. By the way, that's what Jesus did. He took all the responsibility for your sin and released you from your obligation to make it right. Um, I, th- I think it's interesting because he uses, he uses money because we understand it, but also when, when you loan somebody money, you expect them to pay you back. And when somebody takes your money, you expect them to give it back. And that's what unforgiveness is, keeping expecting someone to make you whole, to give it back, to pay it back. I want them to pay for what they did. Here's what I can tell you. Even if they paid for what they did, it wouldn't solve the damage. I counseled with a man one time. He had held a grudge against someone for over 20 years, just angry. And he came to me. He said, this person finally asked me to forgive them and said they were sorry, and I don't feel any better. I said, it's because they can't make you whole. Only God can. And you've been holding them out there saying, make me whole. And God's over here saying, I'm the healer. I'm the healer. I'm the, I'm the one that does the work. I'm the one that heals. Um, this is a fun one. Understand that forgiveness means you never bring it up again. Have you you've been around that Christian? Oh, I forgave them, and then they walk by. Let me tell you, I ever tell you. I'm make a post about them right now. In the name of the Lord, thank you, Jesus. But let me offer you this: um, forgiveness. Also means, so here's how, here's how you know you've forgiven them, because this is how I had this out. Um, you can bring them up. I can see them. You can talk to them. I can talk to them. I can talk with them. You can talk about them. 
I don't feel anything bad whatsoever. Just, Lord, bless them. Love them, Lord. Like, when you can pray for them, you've forgiven them. You know what I'm saying? I will say this, though, because people say, well, this unforgiveness doesn't seem fair. Listen, it's a gift that frees you from their sin. It's, it's the best thing God's given you, right? But let me say this. Forgiveness, the, the king forgave him the 50 million, but let me say this. He didn't loan him any more money. Do you notice that? Forgiveness doesn't mean that I put myself back in the position to be wounded by their sin again. It means I have the right to create boundaries that are necessary to protect my heart, my soul, my mind, my being from their sin. Are you with me? So I have the right to boundary. I don't have to loan them money. I don't have to trust them in that way again. I don't have to put my life in their hands again. I don't have to do business with them again, you know, whatever the case may be. I can create a boundary. I don't have to loan them money anymore. Are you with me? So when there's, when there's, um, when there's unforgiveness, listen, I, I can tell you this. Sometimes it's a process because it just takes a little bit of time to get it into your heart. Say, I really forgive them. When, when you can feel the affection of God, now this is going to stretch some of you because there's people in here, you've been holding grudges and I'm telling you, the enemy is beating you senseless and you don't even know how he's getting in your life and it's because you hadn't ever forgiven. But you thought you forgave because you wrote him a card or you wrote him a letter or you wrote in your journal. But when you can feel the affection of the Lord for the person that sinned against you, you've forgiven them. That's what forgiveness is. Here's the last one I'm going to talk about today, and this is a fun one. This is the suitcase the devil gives you. Um, I'm going to talk about the, the unattended baggage here of uh, pride and witchcraft. Say, so, well, how do you put pride and rebellion and witchcraft together? They're all the same thing. Let me give you a verse for it. Some of you already know the verse. First Samuel, this is Saul. Uh, when Saul goes out and, uh, <laughs> uh, and decides to offer sacrifices instead of waiting on Samuel, and you know, he, he does that, and then he was supposed to kill everything living, but he decided to hold back the best of the flocks, etc. And so, um, and so this, is, this is what the Bible says, For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. So divination is witchcraft. So rebellion is witchcraft. And then he likens it arrogance and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you. So um, in the New Testament, there are five different words that are translated pride. And I felt like this gives you a better understanding of what God calls pride. Um, you understand, here's what, here's what witchcraft is, rebellion, and pride. All of it says, I'll get the best my way. I'll do it my way. Right? So I'll go to a different source. Rebellion says I'll be my own source. Witchcraft says I'll make something spiritual other than the Holy Spirit my source. This is what pride is in the Bible. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.16 is conceited. What that means is I just have, listen to me, I, I think there's a lot of people that are, well, first of all, if you've been on Instagram, there's a lot of arrogant people running around, okay? There's a lot of prideful people, and there are a lot of prideful people in the church. And, and pride masquerades as religion. Uh, conceited, 
That's just having a high opinion of yourself. Like, I just think more about myself than I should. I just think I'm a little more important than, than maybe I am. Uh, arrogance or haughtiness, that's uh, Mark 7. Well, First John 2.16 talks about boasting. This is just having a confidence, right, in you and your abilities and your possessions. Like, I just know what I'm capable of. I just know how much money I have. I just know what my gift is. I just look at me. Uh, arrogance, Mark 7, this is entitlement. This is where you just think you should be treated differently because you're you. I didn't, I didn't expect a lot of amens, Jesus. I didn't. <laughs> but you, you wrote it. It's, I'm just trying to do, don't let them shoot me. Just the messenger. You never kill the UPS man, okay? <laughs> and then um, 1 Timothy 3.16, judgmental. Judgmental. That word means judgmental. Uh, you have a right to judge. <laughs> Isn't it interesting everybody in our world has a right to judge? Isn't it interesting they have a right to decide what should be canceled and what shouldn't? Now, why do they get to decide? In cancel culture, well, I think that's offensive. Well, I th- well, who made you God? And and I think that that many times when you look at that and you really think it's what what you really think about in your own heart because pride. Let me tell you how. Let me tell you if you're sitting there and thinking I don't have a problem with pride, you probably do. <laughs> if you're sitting there like, oh Jesus, I hope I don't have a problem problem with pride, you're probably safe. Can I tell you the funniest thing I've ever been told? The first person that I had to invite to become a non-attender of our church. Um, and and I, it doesn't happen a lot. Was, an elder and I had to sit down with this individual. He was, he was so in discord. It's amazing. You know what? You deserve what you tolerate. And, um, but this, he was, he was so in discord and we tried to explain, stop it. And he didn't get it. And, uh, I, you know, there's like, I, y'all probably know this about me. Pastor Collins telling me the other day, I, when I get really passionate, he's like, you know, when you get really passionate, sometimes you sound mad. I need you to understand. I'm not mad. You'll know when I'm mad. Cause I will tell you I'm mad. I won't get angry. I just like, Hey, I'm mad. That's how you know I'm mad. Like, I don't yell. I don't believe in that. I only yell when I'm passionate. So if I'm yelling, I'm not mad. I'm just excited or passionate, okay? Let me heal you. All right, so, <laughs> so the elder and I sat down with him, and uh, I said, and by the way, um, I feel like if there are things that God abhors and will not tolerate, we shouldn't either. And he has a list. And one of those is show, sowing division among the church. Right? There's a lot of people going to answer to God for what they've said about other pastors, about other people, because they're so in division. So, in, well, did you hear? Well, you did. You heard. Nobody, nobody even knows the truth. It's amazing to me how many people, like right now, how many people know so many things about my life that aren't even true that I didn't even know? And I'm like, did y'all forget gossip was a sin? Did y'all forget that he hates disunity and discord? We were so busy chasing homosexuals that we forgot 
that we're worse than they are. Okay, so anyways, this individual, short version. I said, Bubba, I love you, but I'm going to have to ask you not to come back to the church because you, you, know, you can't do this. Sorry, we've talked about it. You're so in discord, not going to work. And uh, that conversation didn't go that well. Uh, and I, I just looked at him. I said, the problem is pride. But you can't ever see pride. And he looked at me and he said, I want you to know something, preacher. I have always prided myself on my humility. I was like, I think we found it, Bubba. May the Lord bless you and keep you. All right, anyways. Um, so pride. Um, let, me, let me wrap this up. Uh, and then witchcraft. Um, in 2 Samuel 16, Saul actually employs a median who calls up the spirit of Samuel so he can talk with the spirit of Samuel. I, I'm burdened about this, and I don't have time. I've got to get us out of here. I'm burdened about this one because I think a lot of people nowadays, we're, we're playing, and our teenagers too, we're, they're playing games and things that you don't even understand the significance because there really are demons that masquerade as light. There really are demons that sound like just good fun. But some places, and again, at the conference, we walk everybody through. But, you know, when we think about witchcraft, people say, well, I've never, I've never, you know, I've never been a witch. Okay, but has anyone in your family ever been a part of the occult? Because it opens a door. It leaves a bag unattended, right? What about casting spells? You ever practice spell casting or something like that? What, what about, I don't know what they do nowadays. I remember growing up when you, had, you like went in a bathroom, spun around, said Bloody Mary or something like that, and, and all the kids were talking about it at school, and supposedly Bloody Mary was Queen of England would appear to you. And I, I didn't ever try it because, listen, y'all, I don't play. <laughs> I don't play with the devil, man. I don't like him. I'm grateful I got authority, but I'm not going to invite him over just to prove it. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, Somebody like, call the devil in here. We pre- Shut up, man. I'm out of here. You dumb. God need to heal you the spirit of stupidity right now, Jesus. But listen, I, let me show you some other ways we open the door. How about playing with Ouija boards? Oh, it's just a board game. No, buddy, not a board game. Or automatic writing or horoscopes. What about psychics, palm reading, card reading? All of those. Listen. If they don't come from the Holy Spirit, they come from a different spirit. Are you, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit, not the spirits. Are you with me? And I just think you need to, we got to take that serious. And, and if that's what we've done, there's a door open and we close it through repentance because we say, God, I've, I've made me my source. I've been prideful and arrogant, or I've gone outside of the kingdom into the kingdom of darkness to try to get information or try to find out. You know, I talked to people one time, they've been on vacation somewhere, you know, Vegas or somewhere. I'm not obviously not against going to Las Vegas or anything like that. Go on vacation wherever you want to go on vacation. Take the Holy Spirit with you. You know what I'm saying? And understand what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. That's a lie of the devil, okay? Um... (laughs) But they, you know, you know, had fun one night and decided they'd go to like a, it was like a palm reading or something like that. And it's just, just, oh, it was just funny. I'm like, uh-uh, it's not funny. You're playing with fire. You're playing with fire. You're opening the door to the enemy. And, and I can tell you, 
all throughout the Bible, when we talk about generational iniquity and pride and all these things, all throughout the Bible, we talk about unattended baggage. Israel, you can see it in, in Jeremiah, Nehemiah, and Leviticus, and some other places. But Israel would stand, and they would repent for the sin of their ancestors. And they would apply the blood to the sin of their ancestors. And they would break curses. Right? And so, um, why don't you stand with me today? And... Um, Again, we, we walk you through this at the conference, and I can't walk you through it today, but I just wonder which one God speaks, which bag is God talking to you about? Um, is, it, is it unforgiveness, or is it grandma's bag, right? Is it, unforgiveness is the bag we pick up. Grandma's bag is the bag we're born with, and pride and rebellion, witchcraft is the bag that Satan packs for us. So which, which bag is unattended? Is there a place? Is there a place that the enemy's tormenting you from? And, and if there is, I think the Holy Spirit wants to deal with it. So if it's grandma's bag, it may be repenting for the sin of your ancestors. maybe may be repenting for your sin. It may be um, breaking the curse by appropriating the cross. Um, if it's unforgiveness, well, that's you got to forgive. It's pride and rebellion. That's, let me tell you how you solve pride and rebellion. You bend the knee. You bend your knee. That's what pride can't do is bend its knee. Why do you think it's in there? Every knee will bow. Because Satan has yet to bend his knee. But he will. He will. Every knee will bow. You're dealing with pride. The best thing you can do is just bend your knee. Get on your knee. Say, God, here I am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought of myself too highly. Somehow I thought I had a right to judge others. Somehow I thought I had a right, you know, to, to pass judgment. Look at, you know, it, it, let me tell you about pride. Most of the time, it, it, religion, most of the time, parades. It, well, it's a good mask for pride. Because what we do is sit back, well, I don't struggle like that. Remember the Pharisee, he, beat, he said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this sinner. And over here is this Gentile beating his chest saying, God, forgive me. And he wouldn't even lift his head up to God, but kept it in the ground. This is, this is what religion does. Well, I thank God I'm not like them. I don't struggle the way they struggle. You struggle, you've just covered it up with so much religion, you can't find it anymore. Remember, the, the path to freedom is not doing good, it's doing truth. And religion is the knowledge of good. And if the knowledge of evil will kill you, so will the knowledge of good. We need truth. Are you with me? Holy Spirit, I thank you that we are here and you are here, and that means good things can happen. In your presence, Lord. And I ask that you speak. Will you take a moment right now? I can't walk through all these. We will do it at the conference. You can register for that. We'll walk through all these at the conference. But I still feel like the Holy Spirit wants to speak and he wants to work. Would you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there one of these I need to deal with today? Is there something I need to deal with today? You know, is there, is there something generational going on in my family? Is there somebody I need to forgive? Some of you already know you need to forgive them. You knew at the moment that I said it. Don't let, don't let the devil talk you out of trying to forgive them. Walking through forgiveness. Remember, Jesus died for the sin committed against you. And, and some of you just, you need to, you need to bend your knee. Maybe you, I'll tell you what you need to do. If you're struggling pride, you need to kneel down where you're at right now. Oh, but everybody is seeing, they'll know. That'll be good for you. That'll be good for you. There, I, I kneel just about every worship service, and I'm here, both of them. 
And I don't do it for show, but let me tell you why I kneel. Because I found a person who's knelt before God can't fall from that position. Standing up, you can fall, but if you're on your face, it's hard to fall. And, and I like to stay in that position and say, God, it's not me, it's you. It's not my church, it's your church. It's not my life, it's your life. It's not my calling, it's your calling. It's not my grace, it's your grace. Like, I am nothing without you today. And let me never think that I'm anything apart from you. And I'm telling you, dealing with pride, you just need to kneel down. And some of you will, some of you won't. You'll think, well, I'll go home and get my bedroom. That's what you're thinking right now, sir. I don't know if you're online or in this room. You think, well, I'll go home. Because you're sincere. You're like really sincere. You won't deal with it. And you're like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get private in my bedroom and kneel down to let God know. And what I'm saying won't work. Kneel down right now. Just kneel down. Say, God, here I am. I just want to deal with pride. Listen, anybody that throws a stone with you about dealing with pride needs to kneel down right beside you. Because they're arrogant too. Holy Spirit, I just pray you would work in this moment. Speak to our hearts. And God, I pray where there are generational iniquities, Lord, we bind, break, and sever every word, curse, and spell. And we place it at the cross. We repent for the sins of our ancestors. God, if there's sexual sin, if there's alcoholism, if there's addiction, if there's, if there's any sins... God, we repent of those. God, where we see generational iniquity, God, we stand and repent. God, it's not our sin. It was their sin. But now we're having to deal with it. But we don't want to deal with it anymore. We don't want to deal with their anxiety or their depression or their mental illness. God, those things don't have to be passed down. You, by your blood, pass down the mind of Christ. I feel that so strongly. I'm going to say that. I'm going to pray that over you right now. I want Listen, you're dealing with mental illness, anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, whatever it may be, I want you to put your hands on your head. Right now, put your hands on your head. We're not looking around. Y'all don't look around. Let them have their moment with Jesus. Lord, I break off of them in the name of Jesus. Every curse, every iniquity, you were bruised for every iniquity. God, we break it off in Jesus' name. We declare freedom. And God, today we declare they have the mind of Christ, not the mind of their mother, not the mind of their father, not the mind of their uncle or grandfather or grandmother. They, by the blood of Jesus, have the mind of Christ. You've not given them a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Lord, we forgive those who we need to forgive. We repent where we need to repent. God, we thank you. We thank you. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come very quickly, and we're going to end this worship experience. And um, I just want to say this. There are some, I think there are some people in here that you need to get your relationship right with God. Um, and you say, how do I know? Let, let me be real clear, just so sometimes I think people doubt. If you are living in sin, your relationship is not right with God. I don't know how to be, like I know we don't, it's unpopular to talk about sin in church anymore because we might offend somebody. I'd rather offend you now than you'd find out in hell that somebody didn't tell you the truth. If you have sin in your life, you come down and you say, God, I've got sin in my life. And he says, great, because I've got more grace than you've got sin. And he washes you and he cleanses you and he forgives you.
And I'm not going to ask you to raise my hand. I'm tired of undercover Christianity. Like, do you need to get right with God? Well, I don't know. Is anybody looking? What is that, friend? Jesus hung naked on a cross to forgive you of your sin, and you can't walk to the front of a building to say, God, I need to get right with you. I'm not right with you. And none of this works until I'm right with you. And so I want you to come today. I want you to come. And Mike, we may need some more help, Mark. But I want you to come. Thank you, Susan. I want you to come and get, just get right with God. These people are not going to judge. We all know what it's like to have sin in our life. We all know what it's like to struggle. There is no condemnation in this house. If there's any condemnation in this house, if I can't get that person saved and delivered, I'll kick them out so we don't have any condemnation in this house. You understand what I'm saying? We're going to have a house full of the grace of Jesus as far as I'm concerned. But grace does not give us an excuse to sin. Grace came to give us power over it. Are you with me? So get right with God if you need to get right with God. If that sounds harsh, I'm sorry. It's because I love you. I love you enough to say, get right with God. Like, don't go through another week battling with that. Don't go through another week of condemnation. Don't go through another week of living in sin when you can walk in freedom. You can live in forgiveness when you live in the grace of Jesus. All right, we got to pray. So if you need prayer today, whether it's for sin, whether you need healing today, whether you just need to pray over one of these bags, when it's, when it's all said and done, you just find your way. Everybody else just sneak out and go get your kids, all right? God, I thank you so much. <laughs> By the way, let me just say this one time. I love you. <laughs> like I, This is what Pastor Collins talked about. I know I sound like an angry elf, but really, I'm a North Pole elf. Like, I love you, okay? But I love you enough to say, guys, come on, don't deal with stuff you don't have to deal. Don't carry bags you don't have to carry. Don't live in sin when God is paid to set you free. Like, just live your best life, and you can't live your best life in sin. God, I just pray you would work. Holy Spirit, work in this room. Work in our hearts. Bring freedom. Bring forgiveness. Bring salvation. Bring deliverance. You do the work that only you can do. God, the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. That's what your word says. So Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, listen. I, yeah, come on. You can just praise Jesus. Woo! <laughs> Yeah. Listen, I love you so much. You're wonderful, beautiful people. If you need prayer, get down here and get prayer. Don't walk out. Otherwise, quietly go get your children. I love you. I'll see you next weekend.